Welcome to episode 54 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown. In this episode, I'm joined by my two brothers, Scott Paul and JK. We're going to be breaking down now Hutta. What we're going to do is be focusing on the two different missions, Reigning Freight and Shielded. And we're going to be doing it from the perspective of the three different factions, Mercenaries, Empire, and Rebels. So it's going to be a, a little bit of a, what's the word, location-specific episode. I am including a map in the show notes of some notes that I took while we were talking beforehand and afterwards, just in order to illustrate what we're talking about. That might be helpful, but also I recognize a lot of the times you listen while you're doing other things, and so it's not. We try as best as we can to be very precise about the location that we're talking about on the map, but sometimes, I mean, it's just a little bit crazy to do. So bear with us. It's a really, really good idea to at least look at the Nalhada map if you're not really familiar with it, just so you have some kind of an idea as to what we're talking about. But again, at the very start of the episode, I go over, a, a, I give a pretty thorough canvassing of the locations that we're going to be talking about. And most of the time, I lock JK and Scott Paul into making sure that they make clear where it is that they're exactly talking about. For news, we encourage everyone to join us on the Slack channel by sending an email to zionsfinestia at gmail.com and by supporting us supporting us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Zion's Finest. We are just now starting our No Top 16 Vassal Tournament, which promises to be a lot of fun. If you'd like to be involved with the action, it's actually too late to join the tournament. We The pairings have gone up and everyone's starting their games. But you, I think everybody who is interested in it should join the Slack channel so that you can follow the discussion as we're playing. It's a lot of fun. Also, Store Champ Season is coming up. So that's going to be really interesting as everyone's starting to start working on store champs is actually kind of nice because you don't have to bring your hyper competitive list. I mean, a lot of people personally, my opinion is that there's no such thing as a hyper competitive list in the sense of, I think if someone were to take DT's eight activation mercenary list, it would not pay off for them as well as it, as well as it would for DT, obviously just because he's got so much experience playing it, but it is kind of nice in store champs because it gives everyone a chance to, you know, kind of a low pressure environment experiment with things. So for example, I'm going to be running this Jedi Knight Luke spy list that I think it's, it's okay. It's got some weaknesses against empire, like lots of lists that don't have Jakarta, lots of rebel lists have weaknesses against empire right because i just don't have enough shots dealing damage to remove their figures but we'll see it does okay against scum and it's it's done pretty well for me but it's just kind of nice to have store champs because you can work on things like that in other news we still have no news from lethal we don't know when the next expansion is going to be released we don't have an official release date it's still technically at the printer so we're thinking we've probably got i i anticipate that we'll get our next update within the next two weeks ish i mean we're going to be getting closer and closer to the end of the summer which is when i anticipate it's going to be released so hopefully we can get some more information but obviously we will continue to wait for ffg to uh spill forth its precious news upon us I have nothing else. Again, we encourage you to join us on the Slack channel by sending an email to zionsfinestia at gmail.com. Also, before we get started, I want to dedicate this episode to, to Anthony Reinders. He's one of our listeners. He's on the Slack channel. He saved Lucas Davidson's episode. Podbean has been doing some crazy things recently. I don't know exactly what's going on. I've been in contact with their support staff. We have lost and had to recover the last two episodes of Zion's Finest, and I honestly, I do not know what's going on. I've emailed their support, but fortunately, thanks to Anthony Reinders, I was able to save Lucas davidson's episode and i had uh, matt's episode saved so we were able to save that but just just so you know anthony reinders he is the best okay thanks so much let's turn to the episode hello this is kenny brown and i am joined by jk hey and scott paul hello two of my dear brothers from utah this is going to be an awesome episode we're going to be breaking down now huda <laughs> 
I have wanted to do this. We got some really great feedback, as I talked about in the intro, um, about content that people really wanted to hear. And Matt, Matt Breakdowns, and, and especially in some of the feedback I got in terms of things that we can improve on, Matt Breakdowns was something that people emphasized. Now, the Twin Troopers podcast just did one on Moss Eisley, and it was a really, really good episode. We're going to kind of add our own flair, and we're going to start with Nal Hutta. So the most important thing as we're doing these map breakdowns is to have a clear idea in terms of what we're talking about. So now Hutta, we all know it's the oldest map in the skirmish rotation right now. We are going to use a little bit of terminology that we're going to use it and it's going to be clear so that everybody, you can either form a mental map or if you're actually looking at, at the skirmish map, you can know what we're talking about. So generally what happens is Nalhada is oriented around a top-bottom axis. The top deployment zone is the blue deployment zone, the, and it's the one that has the pond in the middle, and the bottom deployment zone is the red deployment zone, and it has it's the temple stairs, or bottom, is how people typically refer to it as. Now the bottom zone is generally, where, where Scott's going to give us a really strong caveat, is generally considered to be the better deployment zone for reasons that we're going to be getting into. But as we're talking about this, is it's just important to have like that general orientation. There are four lanes in Nalhutta. There are two lanes on the far outside that are pretty much just straight hallways. There is the main room, which connects the two deployment zones pretty much. And there's just a lot of things going on there. There's like a central room. There's a little river creek that um, that's near the bottom half that divides it into two sections. And then to the right of that, there is the cliff, like it's the cliff lane is typically how it's referred to. And what that is, is there is a cliff on the very, very top. And that kind of isolates that section and the top deployment zone from the bottom half of the map. So as we're talking about like specific positional aspects, we're going to reference these things. And I'll, I will try to lock us down as clearly as I can, so that it's not lost in terms of what we're talking about. It's Obviously, we're not going to be able to give you like an A14 or anything like that, but I will make sure that things are as clear as possible. If you have any questions, obviously, you can ask on the Slack channel, send emails, Designs Finest in terms of if there's like something that's that we talked about that you'd like additional details on. Of course, JK and Scott would love to answer all of your questions. So before we before we get into that, just the important thing to understand, as I said earlier, is that it's generally it's generally agreed that the bottom deployment zone is better. JK is going to tell us why. Okay, so the, the bottom deployment zone has two specific pieces of cover that you want to uh, exploit. Actually, it's sort of a three, sort of three, but two real big pieces. So right as you step out, there's two spaces, and then there's a break just to the left of the deployment zone. Um, there's a little, little pond in there that you, have to, that you have to worry about, but that's one of the places where you can jump in and hide immediately. The other is over by your terminal. The terminal's to the right, so it's like... It, it's four spaces away, at least, or five spaces away to the actual terminal and four to be, to control it. But there's a little, I don't know, L shape. And so there's a single, a single box and then there's a little hook out. And that is an incredible space for cover. And so the, like the main, one of the main reasons why the bottom side is so much better is because of that. You can move in, start around, you can get three, four, five people into the little L-shaped one, and then two to three behind the, or where the little pond is, and you have your whole deployment zone ready for round two to make a move, because normally what happens is no one really, like, you don't necessarily have shots because Nahada is so long that nothing's really happening round one per se. Um, that's the basic idea. There's another little hiding spot, which is just above the 
the left side brake, there's two, there's the two red um, boxes that break line of sight. And you can tuck yourself into that to get a good shot down the middle for anyone that's coming right up the middle. Um, you do want to worry about that a little bit. I had uh, someone used Greedo and ran around the right side, which is past the cliffs, so over, over past each terminal, and he was able to take a long shot at my IG from there. But the, the nice thing is you would normally have people, again, in that little L shape who can shoot down each side. Mm. Um, so there's the defensive deployments. There's also another option of, and we'll get to this a little bit um, in the actual mission breakdowns, but you can run um, up under the cliffs. There is a little L shape. It's a two by two box, and you can actually hide. IG is incredible right there. You can hide yes. IG in this corner, and he can take one step to again. There's a little. There's a little place where you can peek out and shoot, and you can shoot anywhere around. You can shoot up the line, so where the the far right objective is, you mm-hmm. can step down. You can shoot around there, or you can step left towards the middle of the map where the where the objective if you're going left to right the the third objective you can step right there you can control it you don't want to control it normally because you want to be hidden you can step in take two shots and step back so those are your three really big places that you can get to um side note especially for scum and and rebels you want to be down there because Hera's ability is far better at the bottom because you can really move people around and get people positioned for a great shot. Where um, as opposed to the top, you it, it's really tough to hara people around very well up there. Uh, let me uh, let me just um, yeah. chime in on that. And the reason, like what JK is saying, is because the proximity of most of these defensive nooks, except for um, the spot that's underneath the cliffs, and and that and again that spot is so you've got the cliffs, and just below them there is a, a two-by-two two box that is adjacent to that third objective and the top right of that box. So, I mean, you are, like, tucked all the way in there. It is very, very difficult to get shots on yeah. them. In fact, like, you can't get shots on them unless you're either, in like, coming at them from the bottom on the main lane or coming at them from the bottom on the right lane, on the far right lane. There's no other way to get there. And so, yeah. and but what Hera can do is, is if you're in those bottom two defensive uh, positions, she can pretty much call shots anywhere in that bubble because there's a lot of defensive places for her to hide as as you're moving people around yes um and so a a few a few spots that you want to you want to pay attention to as you're as you're going um the nook that's going back to those first two little spots the two nooks the um so right below the 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 break on the left uh if you place a guy there Anyone with four speed can take two steps, shoot all the way down the left line, and you have most line of sight down the middle line. Mm. You're you're everything except the little mini, the little box. You you basically have line of sight everywhere in there, and then you can step back and step back into safety. Um, same thing with the nook on the right by your terminal. You have that little step out, and you can step two spaces, shoot down the far right side. You can. You don't even have to move if you don't want to, but you can step two spaces closer and shoot up the cliffs, or you can actually take two steps um, into the middle lane, and you have a free shot into the middle lane while you can still get back to safety. That's the real benefit of, of the, that center section, is you can take two steps, take a shot, step back. 
Um, I mean, of course, that changes depending on how what your your opponent's doing, how aggressive they are. But you have a real quick access to to step out, kill something, step back, wait for something else to happen. Uh, so that's realistically that's what you're looking for on that bottom side. There's those three separate spots, and then the fourth one is of, is that little the the tree break that you can step into. I would try to use that not as often, but depending on what your opponent's playing. Um, if they're if they don't have long range units, if they're playing uh, medium stuff, or if they're boxed on the, um, if they're not going to the cliff side, you're really well protected there. But there what, is a now. What sorry. is this tree break that you're talking about, JK? Where is this? That S- sorry, that's that's the double red box. Okay. Okay. It's, it just it looks like a tree. I know. I like. It's yeah. So it's the double red that's box. In, it's it's in like the uh, lower half of the the main lane, and it's just those two red boxes that are diagonal from each other. That's yeah, what and you're you, talking about, right? yeah, and you can and you can tuck yourself in there fairly well, and with the exception of the far right lane, nothing can really get a shot on you. It, they yep. have to really commit to it. Yep. Um, be be wary of it because people can get shots on it, but it's it's a place that you should look at, especially if you want something to be aggressive. Um, if you have something that's you want to try and bomb in round two, you can tuck it there because you you make yourself up another couple spaces. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's that's the reason why the bottom is better. Um, and We'll get into it more with the, mission, or with the different mission breakdowns, but that's where your cover is, that's where you're looking, and you're just able to sit, pop out, shoot, and jump back really safely. Absolutely. Okay, so with that being the case, now Scott is going to completely upend that because he's going to talk about... Um, why it is that Empire doesn't necessarily need the bottom side. Absolutely. Um, well, part of it is they probably will never have it, first off. Between <laughs> devious and just bad luck, most of the time you're not choosing the uh, your your own deployment as the Empire on Nalhada. Now, the reason why uh, the top lane is generally better, and I'll speak f- making an assumption that you're probably running Jet Troopers, and I'll speak also running Vader. Uh, kind of how I like to use it to talk about why it's it's useful. Uh, first off, um, that I like to talk about Vader. So when you move forward from the deployment zone past the pond, there's a small intermediate section before the larger open section with the uh, red rock terrain that is sort of the, the main area of the map. And this is a little, I want to say, five by two section. And you can camp Vader, he can force choke and then run up or be moved, however you want to play it, and camp in the, to your perspective from the top, the top left corner of that little nook. And it's impossible for your opponent to get line of sight on you uh, without making an incredible commitment that will not work out well for them. This positions Vader, or really any of your big key units, if you have like a Palpatine or or something that is going to be able to make a, a threat to your opponent, that they can just pop right out if they're range they can shoot. Similar to the L section that Jerem was speaking about that lets you sort of just be in a perfectly hidden position and pop out and hurt your opponent. Um, and this is an area that Vader can use his two movement at the end of round to just pop out, be adjacent to one of the objectives if you're playing shielded, and just force choke anything or make an attack. And then he's very, very close to your opponent's uh, main line, their front line. The second reason why the top side is a little bit better is simply because of the 
presence of jets. The fact that you have the uh, impassable terrain that only jet troopers or things with mobile can get over means that as the Imperial player, you are much more suited to going over that area. Now, you could make an argument here that, well, if you're the Empire, uh, then, and you, if you take the bottom, then the Rebel or Scum player is going to have to deal with not being getting, not being able to get over that cliffside. But I think it's still worth it to be on the top because your jets and your officers give you such control over that area that you just have the ability to control it and, and really determine the tempo and the needs of your opponent in that game. Because oftentimes, especially on Nalhada, a normal jet trooper is sort of being relegated to objective points. And that's okay. Uh, but because it's such a large map and a long map, and it's very difficult to get your jets up in position, uh, they want an area that's just generally better for them to control those objectives. And it's, it's just a better position. Uh, and so those are the, the two main factors that play into why Empire probably wants to be running on the top, or is at least probably the best po uh, poised to be doing so. It's a great point. I, um, and Scott said this, and it bears emphasis, that with jet troopers, with two sets of jet troopers and a single officer movement, jets can get to every single objective point round one. For uh, Shielded, and Scott will talk about this, I'm sure, when we're actually talking about Shielded, but with two officer movements, they can also do it for raining freight in terms of like they can get there and they can be picking up boxes. And that's kind of crazy. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. I, that's interesting, Scott. You'd say that you would rather take the advantage than deny the advantage to the rebels. I would I would probably I would want to to deny the rebels the advantage because rebels being on top is just not good for a whole host of reasons, not the least of which, because they kind of have to commit to a lane against Vader. Do you not, is that not something you think like you, is that not enough of an advantage? Well, they already have to commit. So the, the way you can play at the point. top, because the top is easier to get to either lane. So it, it's just easier because you can cut across the gap and it's just closer to the deployment. So if, if I'm speaking from the perspective of the top to my left, I just cut across the cliffside because I'm mobile. And to the right, it's just closer. The objective is closer to your opponent, but entering the lane is closer to you, which allows you just easier access to get out of line of sight and to you know threaten. And the fact that Vader's moving down the middle means that they basically have to commit to the middle while your riots, your jets, your whatever you have are taking the objectives on either side. And then they can flank if they decide. They can either hold the objective or they can flank on either side of your opponent. And I think the top is just better suited to doing that because no one ever, when they start in the bottom, runs up either side. They're not, yeah. you know, they're not do playing that game. They're trying to control the middle and shoot down the sides. But if you're Empire, you're getting up in the face because your riots need to be adjacent. Your jets need to be within two. Vader needs to be adjacent. And so you want the, the side that is easier to advance on. Makes total sense. It makes total sense. Oh, okay, so with that being the case, we're going to do a little bit more faction-specific breakdowns here in a second. But I just want to give a few tips that I have gained like playing this map many, many times. And I've never played Hond Rangers or IG Pirates, so I don't really have the... So I'm coming at this from someone who plays against them. You're playing against IG Pirates, you're playing against Hond Rangers... 
what is it you can do if you're on top in order to mitigate your advantage? Because if you're on bottom, you just do what JK is saying, right? You hide in those defensive pockets and take shots out. But if you're on top, there are some ways, some things that you can do in order to control the disadvantage. Now, obviously, there are things that your opponent can do in order to further press the advantage, but these are just some things to think about. The first, this is something I actually got from Greg Monson, who is the runner-up at Worlds and is a very, very good player. He brought up that if you have a regular smuggler or some other kind of, um, we'll just say fodder unit, unit that you're looking to take a blow, you can commit to the left lane without worrying too much about your higher value units being threatened and this is how you do it if you're looking in the 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 far left lane in the pond which is at the like the top of the room the bottom right corner of that of that tile that spot can be pretty closely guarded if to immediate left of that you put a regular smuggler now, or whatever your fodder piece is. Now, if you put it one space above that, your your smuggler, your hired gun, or whatever, then what you can do is you can actually shield the the two spaces that are either that is to the right of it and then to the diagonal top right of it. It's pretty safe, not not completely safe, but pretty safe. And in order to get shots down that lane, see, normally what would happen is if you put like an elite alliance ranger there then they can send a pirate or their own ranger and they can take a pretty easy shot and you know one shot your guy but if you've got a smuggler there or some other fodder unit then they have to commit two attacks in order to just get one guy and both of those units are going to be exposed which is a trade that most of the time people are going to want to make so if you're if you're playing against a long range unit you're thinking okay i need to get at him quickly that's just like a good little trick to think about what i would recommend is at that top of the room in the bottom right corner, that is where you put one unit, and then right above that you put a unit, and then um, right at, and then right to the left of that bottom right corner is where you put your fodder unit. Okay, so that that's one thing, just a little trick. The other thing is, as Scott was saying, the center pocket in that the main room that is a huge, huge, huge thing that you you got to think about controlling, unless you're going to completely swing around the far right lane. And the reason why you actually you can't control it is if you can put someone there at the end of round one. It is tough to get to them, although it is possible, and they can threaten pretty easily to come out and start doing some serious damage at the bottom opponent. Now, the caveat is they can get to it. I don't know how to describe this super precisely. I, I will, I'm actually going to include a, a link to or a map in the show notes. But if you're looking in the center room on the left side of it, so not in the far left lane, but actually in the room there, one of the one of the water areas forms um, a backwards L or like an inverted backwards L. In the bottom left of that, from that space, they can see into the deepest protected corner pocket, the bottom right of uh, section of the pocket. They can shoot there. So when I was playing Jakarta, what I would always do is I would put a rubble there because then in order to get there, they can't get there round one. And in order to get there round two, they're really going to have to commit a unit. So that's something that you can think about in terms of like that space is where you're going to be shot at. And so you got to think what units can get to that space in order to shoot you. And if you're in the far right lane, it's kind of the same thing as I was talking about with the left lane. What you want to do is use a fodder unit like a smuggler or something in order to make it so that in order to remove your units that you're committing to the right lane, they're actually going to have to take people out. They're going to have to take um, these low value shots at your fodder units. And then what you can do is you can swing around the right lane 
you know, taking minimal fire as you're going to then going to start shooting at, at the defensive spots. So I'm, I'm I, like I said, I am going to include a map in the show notes. That's just going to make that clear. But those are just some things to think about in terms of ways to mitigate the disadvantage. Is there anything else you guys have got on that before we get into matchup specific stuff? Yeah, I'll say that specifically, uh, I think diversification and, and, okay. and I'll also say this is from the perspective of maybe Empire on uh, on the top. But when you're going up against a – like if you're either doing the uh, world's winning list, you're going up against that or you're going up against the Han Rangers, they only really have – any list that only really has two main damage dealing groups, if you can go down all three lanes, the middle lane, mm. the left lane, and the right lane – then they're having to split up their figures. They're either either you've got a ranger shooting down one of each, and they're really losing that uh, three attack on one figure yep. advantage, or they're just completely ignoring some of your units while they advance, and they just don't have enough manpower to cover all of those lanes, and so you can just outnumber them in many ways. Great point. Great point. JK, do you have anything for us on that? Oh, nothing off the top of my head. I think I think it'll get covered in the in the breakdown a little bit more. Perfect. Okay, well then let's move to that. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about depending on what faction you're playing, we're each going to address this from the you know, the perspective of the different factions. We're, I want these map these map breakdowns to focus on how are you going to count to 40 points, right? Like, how are you thinking about winning the game? Where do you need your people to be? How many points should you think about getting from objectives versus kills? And so what we're going to do is first is we're going to talk about Shielded. We're each going to take a faction. We're going to quickly address, you know, the, these major components that we think about as we're planning for games. And then we'll just kind of see where that goes. So start us off with Scum, JK. Okay. Uh, so there's two... I think there's two different things you're going to have to look at. One is if you have uh, hired guns. If you have hired guns, you're hoping to get probably... You're honestly probably trying to get 20 points from objectives on either of the maps. Um, if you don't have hired guns, it's probably closer to... On shielded, you want... Uh, shielded, you probably want 12 by the end. twelve, and so, so 12 points of objectives from being able to move up. Raining Freight... I think you want probably 16 just okay. because you're probably going into round three and you want to make sure that they don't get it. Cause that's the, I think that's the one way you lose on raining freight. Uh, like, especially when, when you're on that bottom side is if you are just giving them points. So th- those are the two numbers I think you look at again, hired guns. I think you, you can get more. So you expect more, like you want to get up to that higher number because they can run around, they can grab you can grab three objectives around one if you really try. Again, depending on what you're up against, Empire is going to make things difficult, but um, you probably want that higher number in in with with hired guns. You want to you want them to get your points back. Probably, you know, for their four point cost, you want to get them to get eight, probably twelve, and then a little bit jump from there. Okay, let's uh, let's assume you're not running hired guns. Okay. Um, or if anything, you're running just one set of hired guns and like IG pirates. Like let's okay. take IG pirates as kind of your base. Okay. So IG pirates, you're expecting to get your points back from IG and kills. So there's 12 points. You're expecting to get, um, and again, this is, I don't have a pure breakdown on this, but uh, I'll, I'll even go with like, with my list at Worlds, which was IG double weak ways. So I have, I have no true objective runners outside of a Jawa. Um, so 12 points. 12 points from IG, hopefully more, but, but 12 points there. Um, your pirates, uh, for the, the 14 points, the two sets of pirates, 
by the end of round two, if I have any sort of advantage, I want one of them taking at least some, so, like, on shielded, I want one of them to take a to take a, an objective, so there's four, and then I want two kills from them, and so there's 12, 16. You're looking at about 28 points, but basically only four is from shields, or four mm. is from objectives there, and then basically from that point on, I want to get, if I can get two more shields, I basically have the game won, because, I mean, I mean 20, because 24 points of kills is, is a lot, but it's not, like, a crazy amount with IG. Hopefully you're drawing Blaze. And it, this, this num- number might be pushed into round three. Hmm. Um, you're, like, honestly, your goal, the way you win on, on both these maps as, um, as scum hunters is you kind of flip it and you say, I need to make sure that my opponent doesn't get to... And I think that number is, is um, 16 on each of them. Okay. If you can keep them at 16, like 16 you can still win. If they get up over 16, it is really hard to win because once they hit 16 on either of them, an IG kill puts them to, to 28, and then it's like basically two more kills is... Re- like, it's really hard to overcome. Okay, er, er, I mean, if they get over 16, once they hit 20, because then you're at 32... Yeah, and that's then Greedo two, and a Pirate. Yeah, two, two weak ways, they're, and they're dead. Yep. And so, I, like... I know counting to 40 is huge. I think on this map, you really want to, as scum, look at making sure they can't count to 20. Um, if you can, Because if you can keep them away, you're, in most battles, going to have the firefight advantage. And so that's why I say 16 for you is a good number, because if you get 16, chances are your opponent's not getting 20 um, on either of those. And so that's how you can kind of balance out the, t- the, the double sides, is if I can get 16, there's a good chance that I'm just going to be able to kill the rest of the way out. So what you're saying is, at that point, once you're at 16, you just start trading, is yep. realistically what you're saying. Now, i got to ask, yep. let's assume that you're playing against a Reveler or an Imperial on Shielded. Are you going to pressure left? Are you going to pressure right? Like, what, what's the game plan? Where do, you, where do your, most of your units go? Um, it depends. Uh, so Empire, I'm assuming Vader is coming down the middle. Yep. And so, uh, Empire is just because uh, Shielded and um, and Raiding Freighter two different two different beasts. Yes. Um, shielded, I think you go left a little bit more. You you leave a pocket of weak ways uh, in the right by the terminal, so you can try and step up and shoot uh, shoot down the right side or shoot down the middle just to make sure that they can't have free reign on those shields. But other than that, you keep everyone. You try to keep everyone to the left, which unfor- which is unfortunate because you can't have as many people on that left side, as we talked about. It's a little harder to hide them all. But yes. Vader's um, like Vader's coming down the middle, so that's where I need IG. So that's where IG is going. Um, and then it comes down to that battle of of can I like IG versus Vader, and then can I get. Um, a weak way to step out, kill a jet, or two weak ways, more likely, or, you know, invest cards, whatnot. Um, so more people are going left, in, in my opinion. Um, and then they're staying back a little bit further on raining freight just because I want people to come to me. Uh, with, I don't know. Empire is just... Stuff like Overrun and Grenadier just throws so much math into it, but you still just want to stay back. Um, with, with Rebels, I actually think you go right a little bit more. Uh, because you want to make them come to you. Because again, if 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 I have a rebel player and they're up in that in that top left corner box, that's that's fine. I'm going to kill everything on the right side, and I'm going to start holding objectives, because it's going to be really hard for them to come around the right side, without 
running through fire without exposing themselves. Um, and so I'll have more things on the right, but I'll, but I'll still probably have IG on the left side just to make sure that they can't just fully take the left and come around and swing through. Okay. Um, so that, that's the general idea. Okay. Perfect. All right, Scott. Well then let's, let's get your take on shielded for empire. Sure. So I think pretty, pretty decisively that shielded is the empire's best map. Yes. At least for, for mine, I think best mission. Um, in terms of the split between what you need for, uh, how to get to 40, I think you're hitting 24 points from objectives and 16 from kills. Uh, okay. And that sounds like a lot, but that's actually really easy to accomplish in three rounds. And Absolutely. you might hit more. I've hit, I once hit 32 points from objectives uh, and I just killed Han to win. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's brutal. First thing you do, because I mean, you've got two officers. You know, Vader, like Jerem said, you're just running up in the middle into that little cove and he's just sitting there. So it says, all right. Feel free to come up. Vader will come out and kill you and give me some of those points. Uh, and then you take at least this is this is sort of how I play it because I I run you know two jets, uh, one regular riots with cross training, a couple officers. My officers, uh, you know, they're they're I've positioned everything so that it either can get to all of the objectives with a double move or a double move plus an officer move. So I sort of try and see where my opponent's going, but generally what I'll do is I'll send one group of jets. One's taking the cliffside objective and one's taking the uh, far left from the perspective of the top objective. So I've got two jets just sitting on those. And then I'll take the regular riots and the, reg and the other elite jets. And I'll either put two of them on one objective and two of them on another, or I'll mix and match one jet, one riot, one jet, one riot. Uh, and I'll play that so it's like, okay, I now control all of the shields. If you want to shoot me, go ahead. You get minus one surge. And so that's a huge deal for rangers. They don't yes. get that surge. They're not really doing damage. It's huge. Even for weakways, because the jets can convert. Weakways, yeah, they typically oversurge. And I don't run two surges. But when you've got a jet, or if you've got fuel upgrade and they're getting a built-in evade, like those jets are really hard to kill. Which means your opponent has the thought of, okay, do I shoot these guys or do I try and go and just guarantee I can stop them from getting points and I double move my things? Well, if you're forcing your opponent to double move and not get attacks off just to contest your points, great. I only got 8 points or 12 points and they got none and now their stuff is right next to my jets and right next to my riots. I couldn't ask for anything better. The Empire can really yeah. dictate the rate of play in that in that map and it oh and it just almost always plays to our advantage and and if you just focus on killing the guys on the objective points that's great you're costing the objective points but while you're attacking them you're not attacking vader who is killing all of your units and then my officers can come up and claim objectives if i if i really need them to if i don't need the cards and that i think you can get mo you're going to be getting most of your points on objectives so I think that's why I think shielded is just the best map for the empire. Now, Scott, let me ask a question. So with, let's say you're running your double jets, a set of riots, let's say you're, they're running regular riots, like your world's list. Are you moving your jets out to every single shield round one? Yes. Depends on the, depends on the map. 
there have been, or depends on the matchup and what's out there okay. and what's activated. I have done it that I ran my jets into cover and I ran my riots to different places. Typically what it is is I'll like run my riots out and if they die, I'll then run my jets out where they can't be shot to then continue okay. to contest the objective. Okay. So it, it's really situational, but at least at least 50% of my jets are going for the objectives and my riots are and possibly my other jets. Okay. That makes total sense. Awesome. Okay. So uh, Scott, do you have anything else for, for us on that one? Uh, no, I think, I think that about That's covers it. Empire does awesome. Okay. So I will say for rebels, the important thing is r- rebels are going to have the hardest time besides scum with, well, actually, I, I should phrase it like this. Rebels are going to have the hardest time getting objective points on Shielded. And the reason is, is because unlike Scum and Rebels, like the Rebel archetype now of Han Rangers, matches up somewhat comparably against IG Pirates, but there's a difference. IG is getting up into your grill. And while he's getting up into your grill, he is creating a, a lot of board pressure, pushing your guys back and giving him space in order to get objective points, right? Whereas Rebels don't have that. So Rebels, you should not plan on getting six. If you are able to get 16 points on objectives from Shielded, it is going to be very tough for you to lose the game, assuming you're trading well with damage. Realistically, what you should plan on is, and this is going to be a little bit dependent on if you got top or bottom, so it depends on who you're playing against, but you should realistically plan to get 8 to 12 objective points. And that doesn't seem like very much. I mean, that's only 2 to 3 shield generators that you're getting. But the way... But realistically, you can't expect a whole lot more than that with the pressure that you're going to be getting. If you're playing against Empire, they're all over the board. And if you're playing against Scum, IG is coming up into your grill and you just can't afford to have your high value units getting out there. So what you should think about is end of round one, what you're trying to do is pivot away from IG or Vader, like wherever they're coming. Especially what you want to think about is how do you use like your regular smugglers how do you use them to contest objective points because they're going to buy you a little bit of time like so for example when i was running um, at worlds i had my nine activation hondracodalist i had two rebel smugglers when i played the when i was playing against the empire i played against empire on when yeah i played against jorgen um what i did was i sent my one of my smugglers just as a sacrificial lamb down the far left lane in order to contest an objective, I knew he was going to die, but he just needed to save me four points from my um, from from Jorgen. Like he couldn't get those four points, and I sent my other smuggler around the far right lane with Gideon and Hera, so he could get that objective. And Jorgen wasn't able to get to that because I was on top. This is one of those times where I was on top, and Jorgen was on bottom, despite being the Empire. So what you want to do is in my opinion, as the rebels, is you should not think about objective points as I'm going to hold these objective points, but I'm going to contest objective points and get them when the damage swings my way. So if you're able to remove an elite jet on on a shield generator, or you're able to push you know, pirates off, or you are able to bring down IG or something like that, the power vacuum that's created, that's where you want to fill units in in order to contest shields. But I think rebels especially need to be very, very careful with exposing units in order to get objective points because they're more fragile. Even though they've got on the lamb, they don't have IG, right? And IG, even though he can't go on the lamb, is an extremely durable target. So that's just something to think about. You're wanting to get 8 to 12 points from shields, and most of the time you're going to be doing that by going where 
they are your opponent is not applying pressure. So if there's any way that you can just exploit um, a positional a positional mistake, or even if like your opponent is just doing to concentrate in a particular way, you want to go down the op you want to go the opposite way and see if you can get pick up objectives. But most of your points are going to be coming from kills. So do you guys have any uh, thoughts on that for rebels? I do. I, I think particularly on how smugglers are playing into that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is simply my opinion having played against them. I think sometimes people will will take the first thing they'll do is they'll just say, all right, after you do your obligatory focusing, you say, all right, Alliance Smuggler 1 is going to go to the far right objective. Alliance Smuggler 2 is going to go to the far left objective. And great, you now I have to contest those, except that's exactly what I'm going to do anyway. And then I have the ability to come in and make an attack because I can, if I really want to and commit to it, can have a jet trooper make an attack on that smuggler round one. Um, I think the way that you play the Alliance smugglers is you hold them back to contest in the round two. Um, That's interesting. Because this is, this is my thought, is that they will probably die and then you won't have them. But if you can position so that you can kill the jet and then move the Alliance smuggler in, uh, or you even just, you know, uh, can make it so that the jets have to activate first before the Alliance smuggler is in danger, uh, then I think you're going to save yourself your objective runners. And obviously it's situational, well, but I've, I've seen it play out negatively for a lot of rebel players. Yeah, interesting let, thought. let me offer a quick rejoinder and, and then maybe JK, if JK's got a thought. Um, so what I would say, the reason why I would... I would say that you want your alliance smugglers to be on objectives round one is because you can do a little bit of you can do a little bit of activation delay. Like with my nine activation rebel list, I was very certain that my my alliance smugglers and Han and Drakkar could be the four last units that I moved. Right. And so that that's totally doable. Now, if you commit a smuggler to the far right lane, it's actually pretty tough to get a shot on him with your jets. It's, it's possible if they double move or if they're willing to take bad shots um, and they have, to, they have to double move with their officers is what I meant, um, double order with their officers, and then they have to be willing to take a somewhat bad shot. They can do it, but it's not super likely. Now, Scott's totally right. The left lane, they can absolutely get shots, and that was generally the last... Um, I would send my one of my smugglers, like Aris, I'd send Aristotle down the far right lane way earlier than I would send Boethius down the left lane. Because Boethius, I'm just sending him down there to contest the objective and then die at the start of round two. But the reason why I would do that is because the point swing, I, I do not want a point swing round one. I don't want my opponent getting four to eight points round one that I could at least stop him from getting, even if it's going to cost me a unit, just because that just puts that much more pressure on you in terms of what you need to do. And that would be my that'd be my thought. JK, do you have anything on that? No, it's, it's just interesting doing, like, counting, because, like, both sides are totally, like, totally makes sense, um, because essentially you're sacrificing four points for four points. Um, so, so if you don't challenge them, your opponent's going to get eight. If you do and they die, they're going to get zero and then four... Um, it's just whether or not you believe you can get those next shots. Uh, I think, again, what, uh, something that's really big is, is how is your opponent going to get, going to get victory points? I think against Empire, it's a hundred percent problem. I don't know. It seems like the better idea to just have them sit there to prevent one shot so that you have the opportunity to, 
to take down Vader and then start taking down jets, or take down a couple of jets who are sitting on objectives and have have other people go run at them, just like prevent them from getting to that point. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, against the Empire, it shielded. The shielded is just rough. Like yeah. it really is. It's just so hard to do it. Um, I think. Uh, I think what you're saying is way better against scum than it is against Empire, uh, Kenny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Scott's argument is really, really interesting that I hadn't necessarily thought about before. I like using um, the idea of using uh, uh, smugglers just as, as body shields, especially against scum. Yes, when absolutely. people aren't taking aren't taking those long shots, just because they have that minus two accuracy, and you're probably taking a long shot. Um, but yeah, against Empire, I think that's Scott's idea is really something to look at. That's yeah, I I'm intrigued by it. And a part of it is just to remember, as Scott's saying, that Empire is just so strong on Shielded. Yeah. Yes. So that that's you should accept the fact that you're a little bit disadvantaged. You're very disadvantaged when it comes to objective points, and if you don't play your cards right, you'll be playing at a strong disadvantage. All I'm saying is, I think as rebels, you should not be thinking about trading your high value offensive units. And this just makes common sense, but you've got to think, okay, if I'm only going to get eight to 12 points from objectives and my opponent is going to be getting 16 to 20 points from objectives, which is realistically what you should be thinking about. How am I going to make aggressive trades, um, not aggressive, aggressive trading up at that point for material so that I can, you know, be somewhat competitive with this game. Yeah, I, I will also maybe make one caveat, which is that uh, a, a secondary viable strategy as well is, to, is just where do you put your smugglers? Because I think the smugglers can contest the middle objective far easier um, because those jets, if, if a jet or riot comes in to claim those, it's a very easily attacked position. But the, the left and right, the reason I say, hey, running your smugglers there might not be the best idea is simply because no one can see them. And if it's a jet versus a smuggler, the jet's going to win every single time. Yes, that's true. What I would say would be the reason why I'm moving them to the left and the right is because that's not where their offensive firepower is concentrated. And so what they have to do is the, the person who is going to spend the attack on either of those lanes is now effectively out of the next, at least round and maybe next two rounds. Right. Because I will be, I will be concentrating fire elsewhere. Right. So while they've got these, these units that they need to spend attacks on my Alliance smugglers are not units I need to spend attacks with. Right. And so it's effectively, they're wasting two of their attacks, which hopefully is going to give you what you need in order to make some, some material trades. So trading up, but okay. Well, we could ramble on on and on about shielded, but let's go to everyone's favorite map or everyone's favorite mission, assuming that Ugnots are in play, and that's raining freight. JK, <laughs> take it away. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so bottom side of raining freight, uh, you're you're probably gonna like again going back to the like no real runners. Um, I will probably get the the one under the cliffs. The, the one under the cliffs is really, really good for IG because mm. he can get there, because he can get uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, if, if no real great shots are presented, he can run up, he can grab a, he can grab a crate, and I think he can, have a t- he can take a shot if, if he use Gideon. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, so it's pretty close, depending on what, on what you have. Um, you can get up there, you can grab it, and you can take a shot. And then what's going to happen is 
most of the time people are going to avoid the cliffs because, first off, IG is there, but secondly, uh, they want to go to the left side because you don't want you want to avoid you if, if you're on the top side. And this kind of goes into the same thing with scum. If you're on the top side by any chance, you want to make sure that they cannot drop freight where you cannot get to it on the cliffs. So basically what you want to do is whenever you place someone, just do a little outline of the cliffs, like the adjacent cliff spots, and make sure that you are not, that, you, that where they can drop things right in there. So you could pick them up if you need to, but it doesn't go too in, which is not adjacent to you. If you start dropping them where you can't get to, it's really bad. Um, Points-wise, raining freight's just such a, a crapshoot that um, I'm assuming I'm going to get probably ten. Uh, okay. Just, be, ju- just because I'm getting, I'm expecting to get one first round, and they'll probably get one or two. Um, and sometimes they won't even get that because they want to avoid being in line of sight for IG or weakways. Um, and then they'll drop two by me. I'll drop two by them. Same thing. I'll pick them up. That brings me to six. And then the same thing last round brings me to 10. Um, if I can somehow get 14 with picking up two, like the leftover one on the right or the middle or someone misplays something, I'm feeling really good about that matchup. Um, I just want to make sure that I have an opportunity to kill things. So if I'm somewhere between 12 and 14 and I haven't, or 10 and 14 and I haven't exposed myself to get them, uh, then I feel good. I do not want to rush and grab crates. Yes. Like, I do not, do not, do not want to rush and grab crates. That's smugglers can run, riots can run, jets can run, da 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 da. Scum will not run, rush to grab crates. That's kind of their, I mean, that's why hired guns are really good on this map, because they can just run and grab crates and they can grab all the crates in the world. Um, but if you're not running hired guns, then do not rush to grab crates. If it's sitting there, feel free to take it. Um, but normally you want to kind of sit there and grab just what's right in front of you. And then if you get in a point where you can make some trades, you can run in and, uh, if you're running Greedo, you can have him run in and, and pick up three or four and, and get that trade off, uh, and then have him not attack one time. That's fine. But realistically, you're looking to 10 to 14 points. Um, if you can get if you can get ten, you're okay. If you can get fourteen, you're normally really really good. So J.K., would you say are you not um, you know you're not rushing out to get crates? Are you keeping your people pretty far back on raining freight just so yep. that you're not spreading out the boxes? Okay. Yeah, I want them to come to me. Um, like like they're gonna have to come to me a little bit, but they're gonna drop it somewhere around me, and then I can step out. Um, either like either they're gonna present me a target to shoot which I'm fine with. I'll step out, shoot, step back. And then if they want to come in and grab the crates, I've, I've won a lot of times on raining freight we're picking up two, four objective points. Just because they're wow. like, okay, I've got to go grab crates. And I go, okay, I'm just going to kill you. I mean, eventually I would have probably grabbed more crates. It's one of those things where eventually I just killed everything and it didn't, it didn't matter. But if, if they're coming to grab crates, then I have, I have weak ways and I have IG who will do a lot of damage to them. Um... And so, so that's, that's the biggest thing is, I, is I'm fine staying back because I can shoot, I can outrange just about anyone. Yeah. So I'm fine stepping out, taking a shot, stepping back. You know what? Because we talk about rating freight being this huge project, um, objective thing, but realistically, the most after round two any one person can get is, well, they can get 16, but if you're taking, if you're taking three of them, the most they can get is 12 or 10. And so if you're doing that and it's to the point where it's, you know, 
10 points to four or whatever that ma- however that math plays out you're doing really really well because you're probably going to win the you're going to win the damage race most of the time with scum good point great point awesome well let's uh turn it over to scott tell us what, what how we approach reigning freight from the empire's perspective well that's that's a great question kenny and uh if you guys figure it out you let me know um, <laughs> as, as, good, as good as shield it is for empire reigning freight might be their worst map yeah it's definitely their worst map so uh i to be honest yeah i don't know that i think there's a couple options um personally i think probably the one of the best options is to pick up no crates uh until you're picking up enough to win interesting because you will never win the crate game and this is why it's that same it's the same reason why uh empire is so great unshielded uh things have to be you have to be adjacent or within two of something you can't prevent your opponent from being able to just drop your tokens next to them they'll just say all right i'm gonna put them back in my back line and i'll have three po pick them up he'll focus pick up a crate it'll be great your scum and uh rebels are out activating uh, you and they typically have the activations to be able to just cool I'll, I'll pick up some stuff and I'll shoot because they don't have to move up adjacent raining freight is bad for melee it's bad for empire and so what empire needs to leverage in that is to say okay we are better at fighting than you guys if we're up in the up in the muck vader will win vader will kill your rangers he'll kill your weak ways he'll kill ig and IG might kill him, but then the Jets are going to, you know, clean up. And then your Jets, you play fuel upgrade and you move 10 and you pick up 5 and you get 10 points to win. So whereas I think you can get 20 to 30 points on shielded from objectives you and 10 from killing, it's exactly the opposite. That You need to get 20 to 30 points from killing on reigning freight and 10 from objectives. And 10 is... Uh, very doable with jets. I mean, there are times when I've gotten 14 points on raining freight, but because my jets are doing that, they're not killing things. And my, and every time I pick up a point, that's full. Every time I pick it up, I'm, I'm giving two points to my opponent. So I'm not actually gaining anything on them. I'm just advancing a little bit quicker. So if I can wait until the mm. end to pick those up, it won't matter. I'll just win. They won't get the chance to catch up. So Scott, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. If so, you're down the right line. You have a jet. You play. F- well, I guess it's the end of the round. You have a single, or you have, yeah, you have a single jet. You're within, like, let's say you're within four. You're within six of someone, so you can get four and then and then fly by. If I dropped two crates behind you, like away from my army, are you going to pick those up? If I can do it with flyby like, points, yes. No, no, it's not with flyby points. Like, um, so so you're. You're basically off by yourself, and I throw them behind you so that you either have to come down and fly by or run backwards and pick up crates. Which one are you doing? I'm going for the kill. And here's the reason why. Those crates are always there for me to pick up, but now you don't have anyone near them to pick up because I just killed them. Interesting. And I, I, if, you're, if, if I pick up crates, it's worth four, and if I kill a ranger, it's worth four, but the ranger yep. can kill me, and crates yep. can't kill you. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's, right, uh, that's the right play. I was just trying to you know run through different scenarios in my mind totally okay so with that being the case 
I think that reigning freight for Rebels is their strongest mission on Nalhutta. Let's assume you're running Han Rangers yes. with double smugglers. And the reason is, is because all of the advantages of your list complement reigning freight. You've got these figures, these uh, reg- regular smugglers, who you want to be isolated from all other units. You don't want anyone to be close to them. And they are giving you almost no value from attacks. All they're there for is to pick up objectives. So your opponent cannot deny you anything by putting objectives near them. In the same vein, what you've got is you've got Han and his rangers who you're going to be protecting somewhere, like wherever they're going, but they're going to be tightly packed, right? So like JK said, as long as you're not making any dumb mistakes and letting your opponent drop boxes over the cliff where you can't get to them, it's going to be really, really easy for you to play very conservatively with this map as you're, you know, uh, rotating Han Rangers around. Like if you're if you're on top, if you're rotating around either of the lanes, it's very easy to keep them together so that you're going to get at least those two boxes that they're, that are going to be dropped. And it's just it's a great map for them. So the the things that apply to that this map are kind of different from what applies to Shielded is because what you're doing is you're actually expecting to get. 12 to 14 maybe 16 points on objectives depending on how things go you can you can plan on that because if you're playing conservatively and you're not moving people too far out too far out of your deployment zone or too far away from each other except for your smugglers who they don't want to drop boxes next to you anyway then you should be able to plan on getting you know four ish points around and that's that's all you need and so at that point you're just looking to make trades so smuggle so i would say that if you're running rebels and you know lists and obviously not everyone's going to be running Han Rangers. I wasn't running Han Rangers, but this is one reason why these cheapish units like rebel smugglers are going to bring you so much value on Nalhada is because it's going to punish your opponent who is not going to have any good choices for who he's going to want to drop crates on. So it's the same, the same principle of what you naturally want to do, which is uh, form defensive boxes, keep your people together, keep your people out of line of sight and don't make trades unless you're going to be able to, make good trades in terms of you got called a vanguard assassinator you know whatever it is that you're going to do in order to start taking swings you should not be moving out before you are able to like start taking advantage of the tempo of the game so that's that's pretty easy as it comes down to it and none of the other factions have got a strong advantage over you right like if unless you unless scum has got hired guns and hired guns are not that much better than uh, smugglers they are better they've got you know 10 movement points as opposed to eight so that is potentially an additional box that they can pick up but realistically like it's it's very very similar and as opposed to ig who ig is going to be moving up and you can drop boxes in front of ig if what you if what you're doing is you're just holding ig down right like an ig player he'll pick up boxes if he doesn't have any other options but man that's a hard choice to make when he really what he really wants to do is get into your grill and start removing rangers but you're dropping these boxes in front of him and now he's faced with a choice he can do that and compromise his ability to kill and you can either obviously take shots at him or run away and he now loses the ability to pursue or he's gonna have to you know leave these boxes right and for you know for for later pickup so it's really really interesting how reigning freight works but if you're rebels you should again play to your natural advantages play defensively and don't overexpose in order to pick up boxes and you should do you should do just fine yep awesome well let's let's hear some concluding thoughts from you two I have I have talked enough. Give us your concluding thoughts in terms of Nalhada, and I, I would like it to be more faction specific. If there is a way you can kind of summarize like your general thoughts on the map, just 
you know, if someone is newish to the game, newish to skirmish, give them some general some general tips on what they should think about when they're playing Nalhada. JK, I'll start with you. Okay. Um, with with Nalhada, be defensive, be patient. Uh, like, shielded is going to cause a problem for you with scum, but feel free to sit back a little bit. You don't want to give up 16, 16 points in objectives early or anything like that, but, like, the worst thing you can do is just go out and be aggressive and try to take shields because your guys aren't strong enough to prevent all these things, and you are strong enough to take out figures. So um, I think you err a little bit on the side of caution, especially on shielded. Um, and then, yeah, raining freight, don't get greedy with crates. Like, don't just rush out and grab them. You don't need to. You can let the battle come to you more and more, because, again, after those first eight are gone... You're only gonna like your opponent's only gonna drop two more, so you're like you're running out of options to get more and more crates. Just let them come, let them drop, grab them when grab them when you have the opportunity. But your goal is to kill things. If you're running scum hunter, your goal is always to kill things. Um, if you're doing some cool stuff with hired guns and Greedo and Vinto, you can do different things like that. But your goal is to kill things. Always keep that in mind. Keep your things alive long enough to kill them, and you're going to be okay. You can shoot down every lane. You can get tons of line of sight. Um, just you should always be making better trades, and yeah, nor- normal stuff. Be like, be reserved a little bit more on this map than I think on the other ones, because I think the other ones outside of Uskru, which is a whole different thing, and we can talk about that for hours and hours and hours. Um, I think you want to be a little bit more cautious on this map, just because. You also can, because there's line of sights everywhere one way, there's always line of sights back to you. So just be a little bit careful with them, and you should be okay on scum. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Scott, give us, give us the wisdom from the Empire. Right. Um, I mean, very similar stuff to what JK was talking about. I think if you're a new Imperial player and you're figuring it out, know that Shielded is your best friend, uh, and know that Raining Freint is not. Um, with shielded play to your advantage you can get the objectives easier than anyone else can Uh, make them work for it and punish them when they you know come at you Uh, with raining freight you need to be really really careful do not fall into the trap of trying to uh, you know gain those objectives uh, early because you will just you will be having a bad time Uh, They're going to claim those crates and then you're going to be at a distinct disadvantage when they're able to pick up a bunch next to them and you're not. And remember that it it really is a damage race uh, in Raining Freight and in Shielded it's an objective race and you need to treat, even though it's the same map, you need to treat it uh, very, very differently. Man, that's amazing. That's amazing advice. Well, I think that that perfectly sums. I don't, there's nothing I really want to add in fact, there is nothing I will add except to say when you are doing your list building, you should think about what you're going to do. Because in my opinion, Nalhada, it's imbalanced in the sense that new players, if they make a mistake, can be most easily punished on Nalhada on both missions. And I think you should, as your list building, you should think about 
what am I going to do against Empire, who has such a strong advantage on Shielded, and what am I going to do against unit or uh, against lists that have got strong vacuum picker uppers like Rebel Smugglers and Hired Guns, like on Raining Freight? How am I going to deal with those? If you if you think about that and if you've kind of worked out an answer in your mind as to what you're going to try, you should be mostly okay. But uh, J.K. Scott, you guys have any more thoughts for us? Anything else before we close I'm, it out? I'm good. I'm good. Good times. Awesome. Good times. That's it. Awesome. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening. Again, we encourage everyone to join us on the Slack channel by sending an email to zionsfinestia at gmail.com. We encourage you to support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash zionsfinest. We are getting ready. I cannot believe it. It doesn't seem like, it seems like Worlds was yesterday. I guess it was only a month ago, but we are getting Still into store champ. I know. That's crazy. We're getting in, we're having um, our first store kit tournament is going to be this Saturday. And then we are immediately getting into store champs and we've got a bunch of them in utah i I cannot cannot believe it so everyone everybody's should uh get juiced for the competitive season because it's going to be it's going to be awesome we encourage everyone to join us on slack channel so you can get in on the conversation we're having a ton of fun we have started our no top 16 tournament on vassal and so if you haven't registered for it it's too late to register for it now but you should join the slack channel so you can follow the interesting conversations that we're going to be having about it and we're just having a ton of fun scott jk thank you guys for joining me Thank you. Night, guys.